Hello, hello, welcome back to another episode of I Know I Know, a Solo Beatles video cast, where we talk all things Solo Beatles. Now, today is this very special day, as we have somebody who's making his first two big debuts in his Beatle podcasting world. You may know him as the newly-ish co-host of When They Was Fab, Electric Arguments About the Beatles, co-hosted with Ed Chen. Um... And this, I think this is the first Beatle podcast he's actually guesting on. Um, yes. And it's his first time making his debut on camera. So yes. we are in for a treat. Welcome, John Stone. Thank you, thank you. Please be gentle. <laughs> um, John, um, how's the weather down in Texas today? Hot. <laughs> hot, very hot. Uh, muggy. Uh, I'm, I'm in the East Texas part. You know, we're kind of in a, uh, what should be here is a forest, but you know, there are towns. Um, so it, it's muggy and, and foresty. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the kind of the middle of nowhere. Well, we're, I'm between, uh, Dallas and Shreveport. Louisiana. Okay. We're kind of the halfway point. So, so if you're riding horses or taking a stagecoach, we'd be where, where you'd stop if you were on the way back then. So, Wow. So, yeah. I mean, John, um, first of all, I want to ask you, um, what got, like, I mean, how, what's, do you have a record store nearby? Do I have a record store? Yes. 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 What we, was the last thing you acquired? Um, uh, last thing I acquired was a rare Sly and the Family Stone record. Um, that I, you know, I don't really buy my music that way much anymore. It's all online, and uh, so, but they're just things that you can't find online, and uh, I have a, a long habit of uh, spending hours in a record store. So when I can find one and, and this one is not too far away, I will go there just to flip through and, and see what's about, you know, now that I'm older, there are a lot of albums that I desired as a younger person that I never could afford. And now I can afford them. So uh, uh, my record collection is actually bigger than it should be. Uh, How big is it? Well, you know, um, gosh, several thousand albums, probably. And as many CDs, I'm pretty sure I gave my son's college education away buying music. So, um, you know, he doesn't seem to have a problem with it, though. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, if that was me. That wouldn't be very good. Um <laughs> He, but, he, is, um, he is a big Beatle fan himself. Uh, as he should be. Yes, absolutely. And John, did you buy the Uber box like your co-host? Uh, no, I I, <laughs> I have heard it, however. Um, I have. And, uh, you know, I, I really like it. Uh, of course, I have several versions of the, the original box set and both in vinyl and cds so my first thought was do i need it 
really, you know, because I'm not that kind of collector. I'm not a completist. I'm not, you know, um, it's always been about the music. And of course, I had heard the music. So it wasn't a big uh, thing for me. However, having heard it uh, with the new cleaner uh, production, I really like it. It's, uh, it's much more easier listening the wall of sound that Phil Spector created for that particular album has always weighed heavy on me. It's just, it's this thing that comes at you. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I remember when let it be came out, the story that was going around that was kind of funny was, um, George Martin, was approached is like so how do you want the the credits to read since the question about who produced the record uh, was about and he said well i think it should read produced by george martin overproduced by phil specter yeah. um and so that's kind of the way i felt about all things was past it was just i agree you know it, it works on some things i mean my sweet lord those acoustic guitars are just amazing but you know, uh, there were just songs like Wah Wah and some of the things were just, you know, I could appreciate the song, but the production hasn't traveled well over time. But the, the new the new album, you know, really takes care of a lot of that. Run of the Mill is just sublime for me. Uh, that's a great, you know, with, with all the stuff taken off. And, and that song will come up again in our discussion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because there's a song on uh, George Harrison album that is very much like Run of the Mill. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't think we have any breaking news. Um, McCartney 1, 3, 2, 1, I don't ever want to. Uh, McCartney 3 imagined, not 3, 2, 1. Um, right. He uses numbers too much in the titles. Um, <laughs> Uh, what made number one on some chart? Did you see that? Did it? Well, yeah, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a good piece of work. I had a, a friend who wrote me a, a very long uh, email about why he didn't like it, and he just kind of went to town and you know, like uh, McCartney had really let him down over the years. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. So I went back and listened to it with a critical ear. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, way too tough on him because there's a lot of really nice things on it. And uh, uh, and the, the reimagined things are just it's, it's been a treat. Yeah. You know, uh, I still haven't listened to it. I'm not going to lie. I didn't but, buy. I didn't buy um, seven thousand different color variations like I think yeah. your co-host did. <laughs> well, again, he and I have this conversation uh, somewhat frequently because it's almost as if McCartney is toying with those people. It's like, okay, so now I'm going to put it out in this color, and and I'm going to change. I'm going to change the symbol on the left-hand corner of, you know, so that, you know, oh, I got to get that one. I got to get that one. So why would you 
why would you want to have 35 copies of that you know i don't know that's uh i never have really been a, a beetle collector i mean I've, of course i have uh all the albums but they're you know I, I don't see getting things to buy so that what you might sell them later on you know exactly. so, so that you put it in a corner and it stays unwrapped and so that at some point you can pull it out and go oh look at this you know but but if you sell millions of copies of something it isn't rare right so if you really go unless there's just something unique about a particular album you know i mean abbey road how many millions of copies did it sell it's just they're out there yeah i mean in for in vermont where there's like no record stores not very much but so right. But I mean, in, you know, where, you know, most people live in, you know, civilization, um, <laughs> you know, there's an Abbey Road on every, in every grandparent's attic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and I did go to the point where, um, of course, I bought all the albums as they came out as a kid or, or acquired them anyway. The originals were my sister's, but um, uh, I did go through and buy all the the British copies when they came out because, you know, there's a, a palpable difference between the yeah. two. So, um, I, I bought them and over the years, listened to them. So now that I, you know, the, uh, the British versions are now kind of ingrained. So I do hear them as that, but I still sometimes find that if I hear a song, I might think that the next song is going to be the one that was on Beatles six, you know, that yeah. there wasn't a British uh, equivalent of that. Um, but you know, when you grow up and you listen to these things over and over and over, and I did, I mean, I think I got to a point where my parents are like, maybe we should <laughs> see someone about John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we should move on into our topic to, Harrison 79. So first of all, John, I mean, what, what was life like back in 1979? How old were you? What, um, I was uh, 25, I guess. Um, and, you know, when we first discussed what we might talk about, um, you brought up this album and and i think i replied well it's not one of my favorites you know but uh but like all harrison work there's things on it that i like but uh right at that point was the emergence of new wave and that really interested me you know um so i heard that album based on that thing that was going on you know um because rock music had not been particularly interesting up to that point and then all of a sudden this explosion kind of came out and and that was cool um and in that respect this the george harrison album did not sit particularly well in that setting um you know, that's that's where I was at. So 
you know, I, I of course bought the album and, and listened to it and thought, okay. There was uh, one of the things I recall um, was being kind of off put because the first song on the album, which is um, Love Comes Lo- to Everyone, Love Go-Go, sounded to me and still does like a Todd Rundgren song. It does. You know, and the chord changes and the production and everything. And, and I was getting into Todd at that point. And I thought, oh, what a rip, you know. <laughs> he just kind of uh, took that style and, and did a song and didn't change, change the style much. So um, that's how the, the album opened up for me was like, okay, so now, now you have something to prove. Yeah. Um, and um, do you think it's grown on you over the years? Well, yes and no. Um think what happened is that you know there's been lots of music of course and and so um i would listen to the album very occasionally and um and it was your question initially that made me go oh i'll go back and listen to it and it it wears better than it did then and uh and of course i remembered that one of my favorite George Harrison songs um, uh, is on this album, which is uh, Love is Forever. One of mine, too. You know, it's beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, and and the, the arrangement of it is just great. Um, I was surprised to find that it was a, a complete instrumental first. Um, and so the melody line that Harrison put over the top is just perfect and so so yeah it's it's uh I guess my view of it on a re-listen uh with more mature ears and uh and time makes the album sound better it still strikes me as being um influenced by other things you know um you know he, he puts a a rejected Beatles song on yeah. the album um and that's not guilty you know i'm sure probably people listening to this know <laughs> know that i would hope <laughs> <laughs> um and then one of my favorite uh songs of his was deep blue uh, and there's a song on here that to me is like, well, it's the same song virtually. I mean, it's, it's, uh, what is it called? Soft, soft hearted Hannah or something. Yeah. And, and it's the same beat. It's the same Dobro sound. It's, you know, and so again, that, that hit me, uh, at that time, but it was like, well, that's just a rewrite of, of that, you know. Uh, what's another one? If you believe, uh, struck me as being a rewrite of an earlier song of his called um, "Don't Let Me Wait Too Long," because um, it's the same strummy guitars with the same beat, you know. Um, 
So I guess at the time I just thought it's it's constructed out of these things that he's picking out. Yeah. I can see your points, but um I respectfully disagree. <laughs> Which was the thing that I was hoping to do for this show because I like <laughs> to disagree with people. Um uh, this was the first Harrison album other than Extra Texture that I actually listened to within fall. So Extra Texture was first? Yes. Um, and boy, did I not have high expectations of his solo career. <laughs> right. Um, what, I like Extra Texture now, but um, just... Um, Interestingly enough, the first song that really grabbed me on the my first listen is um, what was I gonna say? Here comes the moon. Which, um, if you don't know, I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan, and that is co-written by Stevie Nicks. That's what? That's co-written with Stevie Nicks. I'm credited. I had no idea. Well, that's that's interesting. That's just 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 as an aside. I'll step in here and say that the band I was in in the early 80s um, toured briefly with Christine McVie. You toured with Christine McVie? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, we Christine? Uh, she, she was doing a solo album at the time. The self-titled and, one? Yes. And so we we were the opening act in, in this little part of Texas. Uh, if you have any idea how to contact her, let me know after we're done recording, because I really want to interview her. Really? <laughs> well, I, I haven't really kept up with her. Um, you know, it wasn't like we were, you know, any, anything other than while we're opening for her, and you know, we met. Um, we uh, being an aspiring band, you know, center flowers. And, and, uh, so she came over and our dressing rooms were separated. She came over and thanked us and said, hello. And, you know, she was very nice. Yeah. But, that, but I, I didn't get her really telephone cool. number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably, probably doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, so, um, yeah, I love that was the first song that really just hopped out of me as being the best on the album. It, it's not the best for me anymore. Faster was an instant standout. Catchy. I don't know how Blow Away wasn't a number one hit. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, that was the uh, beginning of the, the video age. And there was just other things going on, I think, that were, were demanding attention. It, it's a great song. Um, it's an interesting arrangement. Um, but, but know, I mean, uh, McCartney had a, number, a top 10 hit with Good Night Tonight. Right. This is true. Although I think Good Night Tonight actually played into the style of the day. Fair know. enough. Um, 
but I will say the music video for Blow Away is creepy. <laughs> that duck scares the heck out of me every time I look at it. That's it looks like she along in like a really like you know an old lady bathtub. That's what it looks like. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, yeah. And, and as I said, it, it's a really good song, and and stands out in that. Uh, it, it's weird. It's like it doesn't sound like anything else, and you you think that's really kind of what should make it stand out, but it didn't stand out because it didn't sound like everything else. Yeah. yeah um, Love comes to everyone should have also been a bigger hit. Um, everything on this album stands out. <laughs> I think Dark Sweet Lady is a beautiful song and that's a top three solo Harrison song for me. Right. Same with um, If You Believe is a Great Message. Um, everything is really perfect on this album. It, this is an impeccable album for me. And um, if you know, Brainwashed is my number one Harrison record, followed by All Things Must Pass. But this and Material World are competing for the number three spot. I can see that. Um, that Brainwashed is, is a completely undervalued work. Yeah, that's that's just, what you and my your co-host are talking. You and my, your co-host and I are talking about that tomorrow. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a really good album, and and got no attention at all. Really, you know, uh, kind of sad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I. The, the Harrison album just maybe just hit in the wrong space at that point. You know, timing is everything. And it was, uh, uh, it wasn't disco, which was still going on at the time. Um, and it wasn't edgy, which is no. what, what was happening in Britain. You know, um, I'm sure the punks thought, George Harrison was one of the old farts and, uh, you know, it just didn't get much, much attention either. You know, it, it's odd to me to look back that, uh, blow away. I mean, it was 1978 and, yeah. and I remember the video very well, but MTV was still three years away. And right. so, um, you know, I'm not even sure where I would have seen it. You know, what kind of shows it would pop up on. Ethan. Okay. <laughs> A disco that, punk. Hmm. That sounds like that sounds like your dream. Uh, <laughs> um but um there is and I wanna talk about the cover art because out of all, uh, this is my only criticism of the album, is the cover art. It looks blurry. Yeah. And it's just, it, he, I thought it was, it looks like he's like hiding in a green apple or something. I always, I always thought it was like, 
a picture of what would I look like if you saw me when you were on LSD? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so, uh, I'm still, yeah. I'm still mulling over a disco punk album. That's, that's a thought. Yeah. Um, so I want to also talk about this, um, this song, uh, what was it called? Uh, Soft-hearted Hanno. Why would you say that's a rewrite of Deep Blue? Just because of the melody and the chord changes. And yeah, well, I mean, it, it's that. It's that. Uh, it's that beat. Um, I mean, he he did it again with. Um, oh, the song just escaped me. Oh, Devil in the Deep Blue Sleep. Um, it's that. Oh um, yeah. And and it was that that was really successful, I thought. But the fact that it's that same beat and the same dobro sound, and even some of his melody choices have the same intervals, and so it was just enough to make me feel like it was a rewrite. And I also have to remember at the time there was um, the acknowledgement and criticism that George had a tendency to rip people off that he yeah. you know and so you know i i listened to it with that in my head you know and and so that he was only this time he was ripping himself off you know i mean i i personally think deep blue is a much better song but uh but that's why i thought yeah it was because it just it sounds similar i can see that but i mean it's st- it but I I love the lyrics of it. it right. Oh like yeah, there are words. <laughs> yeah, there are words. Um, you ever heard of them? <laughs> yeah. And they're and they're printed too, I believe. Yeah, we're on the sleeve. Huh. Clever. Like the lyric, this feels like a summer album. Like um, if you're dropping, like I don't listen to the album in winter. That's like a plot. Winter is a so you're saying you listen to the album seasonally mostly like are you 33 and a third fan i, I like parts of it oh, okay i feel like this and 33 and a third are sister albums i yes yes i would agree with that um because i even had to really stop and think which album blow away was i mean it's like blow away and cracker box palace and i mean there's a similarity or a definite sound and so i couldn't remember exactly which one was on which album it's like the ringo albums with the last 20 years (laughs) (laughs) what one has to back off boogaloo redo (laughs) oh my gosh for the oh they're so bad yeah, and and the first the record original record was it was interesting. It just it's not such an interesting song that you have to do it over and over, you know. Um, yeah, so let's talk when there was Fab for a minute. Then we'll get back into the album. So plug 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 our one of my favorite Beatles podcasts. Poor favor. Oh, well that that's great. I you know, as I said, I I don't know this world at all um and so 
I I slipped into it accidentally, but it's it's been fun and uh, it's it's great because what I am enjoying is seeing new generations of people who appreciate the band, you know, um, because there's not a whole lot of people in my current life that, uh, you know, you can kind of get in deep with, uh, the Beatles. You could, you might talk about them, but you know, nobody knows the, the details or, or even finds them interesting for the most part. You know, uh, my one of my wife's favorite things is, how do you know that? Why do you know that? <laughs> you know, uh, it's like therapy recording a Beatles podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember years ago seeing uh, a cartoon where this guy is looking into a bookshop window where all the books are displayed, and the new book that they're pushing is notes from john lennon's refrigerator oh god <laughs> you know anything sometimes yeah, yeah it sometimes seems like it gets close to that but uh uh it, it as i said it's it's been real it's been a lot of fun seeing uh new interests in in the band which goes to through their longevity and and it didn't all stop in April of 1970, yeah, no, um, because their work continued to to go. You know, one of my favorite uh, periods of time uh, is the uh, work he did with Elvis Costello. Um, oh, great! Some all great those, stuff. all those songs are just—it's it's really good work. Except for Mistress oh. and Maid. Ugh. Uh, really, you don't like that one? No. One of the, one of the um, one of the things that uh, the comparisons I like is McCartney's version and Costello's version of "That Day Is Done." Um, and it's just the two approaches are really unique, and it, you know, uh, it's interesting to see the 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 way the two writers look at that, that melody. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, I mean, yeah, that day is done is beautiful. And I mean, I know a friend, Ken Michaels, who raised that as his favorite Paul McCartney album. Just off of your top of your head, what is your favorite McCartney record, John? Uh, off the top of my head. Um, I'm thinking, hold on. Uh, favorite McCartney album. It's like picking your favorite kids. It, it really is. Cause you know, there's, and, and it's not like he's, he's stayed still, you know, it's, um, uh, one of the things that, that Costello said in an interview was that, uh, after the Beatles broke up, McCartney, went through a get through the mental exercise of I'm not doing the Beatles anymore. I'm going to do this other thing. And so that he taught himself to write in a different way. Yeah. And, and Costello said, 
if you're not a songwriter, you don't realize how hard that is to change what you are or who you are to do something else, you know? Um, and I think now McCartney's kind of gone back to, well, I can, I can be a Beatle or I can have that mindset. But uh, the fact that he, you know, was actually trying to make a different sound makes his albums hard to go. Well, I like that. Uh, you know, probably my favorite McCartney album would be all the best. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I still love McCartney. You know, that album always sounds fresh to me. Um, and uh, that that might be my favorite. I don't know. Interesting. E even though it's a lie. <laughs> In, in that, you know, it's this idea of, well, Paul went to his house and he had this recording equipment and he and he produced this album. Isn't it great? You know, oh, you find out, well, except that, you know, maybe I'm amazed and every night we're recorded at Abbey Road and then he was at Morgan Studio. I mean, he did more of the studios than, uh, than was let on. It sounded like he did it all at his house. Right. But, uh, an interesting like. choice well you know and that, that's not saying i don't like uh a lot of other stuff um even the albums that i'm not crazy about uh i like memory almost full oh love that except for that you know. one terrible song gratitude <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, you know, if, if you're trying to experiment, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I realized I like that one. And, you know, I like I like some of his outside of the box stuff. I, I've appreciated the Fireman albums. Um, you know, it, it, he's fun when he tries to stretch. He really is. So, thumbs up for that. Uh, uh, yeah, mine's Flaming Pie, hands down. You know, I don't know why I didn't think of that one, because that is really, that's that's a really... Back to the Egg is a very close number two. There's songs on that one I like, but I'm not crazy about that album. I'm not, uh, yeah. Now, this is going to be a perfect segue back to um, oh, right. our other thing. So do you think that um, the reason you're not a fan of Back to the Egg and this album as a whole would be because of the time frame of life? You know, you were into the new wave stuff. Um, that, that could be, um, you know, uh, what is that song? get it on spin it on spin it on yeah it was like he was trying to be relevant and he didn't really need to be because the songs i like from that album uh are not au courant you know i i like uh baby's request and i like uh arrow through me and uh oh there are a few more 
the rockestra stuff is kind of cool um and it shows you it made an impact i you know all these years later <laughs> maybe you cuts from it um but on the whole uh it it didn't do that much for me i, I was much more a fan of uh you know band on the run of course and um you know yeah. i got to see mccartney in the 76 tour you uh, did not uh, oh man let me tell you that was an experience it was in houston and you saw uh, Joe English in person before he went in his bunker. Yeah, I <laughs> saw the whole thing. And the thing was, this was when festival seating was still uh, legal and okay. Yeah. So this was the first time McCartney had toured since the Beatles, 10 years. And the people who wanted to get up front were uh, enthusiastic. And so... I happened because I lived very close to the venue. I get there early. I got in. I was, there were no seats, of course. I was in the second row. I mean, so when the, when the concert began and the mist kind of rolled out, you, you could feel the, the cooling, the, the mist, the whole thing. Um, and it was real close. Well, as the evening went on, People, more and more people are coming down and pushing in to a point where, at one point, I completely lost my footing. I mean, the, the crowd was controlling kind of where I was. And wow. that's what I thought. Oh, my gosh, if you were to fall, if you could have, you couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't push the crowd back. It was there. Um, that was the most scared I've ever been. Uh in that kind of situation it was just you know but it was a great show it was really good you know being that close yeah man you are one lucky human being (laughs) i was i was definitely uh a beetle fanatic you know uh said when when i uh bought in fact it was the first single i actually bought was paperback rider and rain um and and paperback writer was the hit and everybody i mean it was cool which is why i initially bought it but then i flipped it over and rain just was like it was trance like you know and then revolver came out and it was like oh my gosh it was every song to be was brilliant and it just went from there um you know i can remember waking up on christmas morning in 1968 and my Santa Claus gift. Um, he was kind enough to give me the white album. And I spent seriously all day uh, in the living room with the headphones on listening to, to the white album. And my dad came in, he's like, well, how is it? And I was like, it's brilliant, dad. <laughs> brilliant. Um, so, and yeah. I was, I guess I was 14 at that time. Yeah. Your parents, yeah, that, that, yeah, your parents were good to you that Christmas. <laughs> yeah, well, they they understood, you know. Um, the next year, I got a guitar, um, and so you know they were they were good good people in that regard. They encouraged that aspect, even though, as I said, I probably took it too far because you know 
I wasn't interested in much else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, moving on, I want to just talk about the music, musicians on this album. We have George Harrison, obviously, um, Neil Larson on the um, mini moog and piano. Steve Winwood does backing vocals um, and um, the harmony um, and the polymoog, whatever that is. Um, who? Steve Winwood. Yeah, but who? What was the second one? Um, Neil Larson. All right. Yeah, then he had Willie Weeks and uh, Andy Newmark, and they were in the touring band. Yeah, I, it's amazing. I wish Willie would come out into the public because I would love to talk to him about because, man, Willie Weeks is a good bassist. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, very good. Very good. Who else was on that tour? Robin Ford was on that tour. Yeah. Second guitarist. Um, um, and um, Eric Clapton plays that intro guitar on Love Comes to Everyone. Yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, what is it? I think um, Peter Frampton tells a story that that uh, Harrison asked him to to drop by, and when he was recording all things was past, and and asked him to play guitar on the song he was working on, and so Frampton came in and he was gonna, you know, he was prepared to play the rhythm. George is like, no, 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 I, I'll play the rhythm. I want you to play lead. And so it, it was uh, what is life? Um, yeah, and. And I thought there's a lot of instances where George is like, you do. I mean, not you do it, but it was kind of like, I'm going to give you the spot that people think that, you know, my ego would say I would take. Um, and like then, what he did with the Wilburys. Yes. Yes. You know, who else could have put that band together with that kind of everybody throw into the pot and and you know the big ego egoless band um it's really good that was a great project i'm, I'm a big will very fan. oh me too first or second album uh i like volume three thank you thank you <laughs> you're now my favorite guest that i've had because that is the, you're the only other person that said that. And really? I'm really happy because that's my favorite too. Yeah. I am a big Dylan sucker. Yes. Um, and I've enjoyed, uh, you know, we have Sirius Radio in the guard. There's Tom Petty station, which we listen to uh, often. And it's great to hear Petty do uh, Twitter and the Monkey Man. Oh my gosh. So yeah. fun. You know, that's, uh, yeah. One more, th another thing that I want to add is, um, looking for my life was written during these sessions. Um, interestingly enough from brainwash. Yeah. You know, um, but it wasn't recorded, was it? Maybe an early demo. Um, yeah. Ken, yeah. I'll have to ask Chip about that. Chip Madinger. That's probably true of the way Harrison worked, you know. Um, he, he always had things that took a long time to develop. You know, there, there's the famous 
uh, conversation between John and George when, you know, John's songwriting advice was, you know, try to finish it, you know, yeah. when you I go mean, into it, try to finish it. And, uh, but I don't think George does that. I think he's, he edits a lot and, and develops. And so it's not surprising that he wrote something, you know, I mean, cause we're talking about this album uh, and what he, he tried to do a version of circles. Yeah. This album, which eventually came out on Gontropo. And, um, and that was 10 years old, probably 15 years old by the time he actually recorded it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, know. there was a white album demo. I'm pretty sure of that too. Right. Yes. A, a real basic kind of demo and then not guilty, which is from that time. And, and, uh, so when you think that, you know, one of the things that amazes me is that, uh, uh, the art of dying, comes from 1966 i mean that's a great great song really really good and the fact that it was never attempted by the the band it just floors me you know Uh, that had had the beatles attempted that that would have been one of the greats i think because you know mccartney playing bass on that would have been great and it's just raucous enough for John to be enthusiastic and you know I'm, that's a very very much missed opportunity so he, I agree. he had stuff in his pocket probably all of his life yeah and I mean if he hadn't didn't wouldn't have died I mean who knows how much there really is right right well you know Danny and Olivia have access to all that. Who knows what's back in the? Yeah, come on, come on, Danny, deliver, <laughs> deliver a Uber box to my door, and we'll, <laughs> we'll talk. Um, so, John, I think that I think we've wrapped it up. Well, it, it's been a pleasure. It's been yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, so, um, so I'm still thinking about disco punk. Oh God. <laughs> Don't don't give Ethan any ideas. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking so. So disco would have that, you know, that constant uh, uh, kick drum beat, you know, real simplistic, and then the punk would just be screaming guitar, you know, distorted out the max. I don't know. It's possible. We may be talking about the White Stripes at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, is there anything else you would like to plug? Uh, well, you know, uh, listen up to the, to all the podcasts. Uh, I met, uh, Kit the other day and that was great. That was fun. Queen of Uh, all Beatles media. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, and, and who knew, you know, I, what, what I have in my Beatle collection, uh, you know, I've got tons of books and recordings and, and, a stack of Beatle fans from way back. So, uh, who knew? <laughs> Speaking of Beatle fan, I was actually mentioned in Beatle fan um, in the latest issue, and you were too. So, congratulations! Wow, yeah, yes, that's yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, that's that's progress. <laughs> yes. Um, well, this has been a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so um, you can find us here, there, and everywhere. Um, you want to email the show, I know I know podcast at iCloud.com. So, as I like to say, don't let me wait too long. 